0: Most of you may not know this, but I used to be a man filled uh, with fear. Uh, Some of them were rational and some of them uh, not so rational. Some of them were fears that possibly even some of you here have. uh, Others not so much. Uh, Fears like agrostophobia, for example, which is the fear of walking in grass. This is probably one that My wife thought was the most weird when she married me 21 years ago. Uh, But it wasn't the grass, per se, that I had the issue with. It was what resides in the grass, all the creepy crawlies in the grass. Amen, amen. But my top two fears, however, were spiders and heights. And if you can picture a big, strong man like myself, screaming like a little girl, calling for his 5'3 wife to come and kill the little spider, then you know exactly what that looks like. Now At one point, I had the displeasure of seeing my own son have a similar reaction. I think I've shared this story with you. And as my wife and I stood there watching him, I asked her, is that what I look like? To which she simply replied, yes. And I I knew then that something had to change. But my biggest fear, the granddaddy of them all by far, was heights. What made this rational fear irrational was that I'm also the guy that you would see on roller coasters with his hands lifted, screaming, pointing at the camera as the, the, the car passes by. Around 2008, my family... Uh, goes on vacation, and we took a trip down to Atlanta. We had a marvelous uh, time, a very good time, with the exception of one stop. We paid a visit to a place called Stone Mountain Park. Anybody ever heard of it? I don't know whose idea it was, but somebody thought it would be a good idea to uh, uh, do the sky hike. If you're not familiar with the sky hike... If you're not familiar with the Sky Hike, let me share with you their description on the Stone Mountain Park website. Climb to new heights on one of the nation's largest family adventure courses. No two hikes are the same. Choose your path and challenge yourself while secured to the patented overhead safety system. Explore the quarter-of-a-mile course while mastering suspended wooden bridges and other obstacles. Leap from one wooden slat to another. Balance on a single rope high above the ground or climb to the top on vertical net bridges. You have control over your trek as you pick from a 12-foot-high trail for beginners, a 20-foot-high trail for those who are somewhat courageous, and the super-challenge trail at nearly 40 feet Up in the air. Is anyone picturing how this may have ended for a man so afraid of heights? But it's family vacation, right? Go big or go home. And so we decided to do it. Jabin gets on his harness. Nicole gets on her harness. They put me in my harness. We got a little guy from the park who's there with us. He puts on his harness and in he sits behind us. We take the stairs up to the first level 12 feet up. We attach our safety hooks to the patented overhead safety system. And we start out on the first plank. We get across the first plank and all the while I am shaking like the last leaf on a tree. I am absolutely terrified with my son and my wife behind me. My son at the time was very little and even he was showing more courage in this moment than I was. We reach the second plank and I completely free. Completely freeze. I cannot move forward. I refuse to move forward. I went to go back because I saw another set of stairs that would take us down. And the, the, the park uh, guy who was with us, he said, hey, let's press on. We got people behind us. There's another exit right there. And I threatened this man. I threatened this man bodily harm. I said, I know there are stairs there, but I'm going down this way. Of course, he let us off. But having seen what this experience had to offer, I demanded to be let off. My family tried to encourage me. The guy tried to encourage me. It was meant to be a time of bonding. It was meant to be family fun on our family vacation. But my fear blinded me from the intent of the moment. My fear blinded me from the who of the moment. All I knew is that I wanted it to end. You see, family, what we gain from our experiences are largely based on how we respond to those experiences. The sky hike was meant to be something fun. It was meant to be a good thing. But because of my response, because of my fear, it made it something it was never meant to be. In our text this morning, Israel has a similar experience. God never intended to write his law on tablets of stone. His intent was to write his law on the tablets of our hearts. But because of Israel's response, because of their fear, like my experience on the skyline or sky hike, the moment was made something it was never meant to be. So the Lord comes down to Sinai, we see it in chapter 19, and it's an awesome and terrible and fearsome spectacle. At the sight of God's manifested presence on the mountain, the people are filled with fear, and like Isaiah, in the presence of God, his holiness, his power, his otherness on display being thrust into the light of his presence, our eyes are opened to the darkness of our own sinful hearts. Woe is me, Isaiah cries, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Isaiah 6 and 5. They instantly understand that we are not like him. In view of his holiness, they see their mess. But God does not leave Israel without comfort. God gave them... In Moses a mediator. As we look to our text this morning we'll frame our discussion in this way. The mess and the mediator. Look with me if you have your Bibles at Exodus chapter 20 verses 18 through 21. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. And said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of you may be before him that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Israel has just heard from God and it was unlike any other service that you or I have ever attended. Again, the previous chapter sets the setting for us. And we get the description of the fearsome scene as the presence of God descended on Mount Sinai, Exodus 19, verses 16 through 19. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. God turned the mountain into a pulpit. And in the midst of thunder and lightning and fire and smoke and earthquake, as it says, the mountain trembled, God spoke to Israel, the Ten Commandments. They were afraid, they trembled, they stood far off. How would you have responded? If you were standing there with Israel at the foot of the mountain and heard the thunder and the trumpet? If you saw the lightning and the fire and the smoke, if you saw an immovable mountain moving because of the presence of God, how would you have responded? I imagine for you and for myself that we would have responded in the same way that Israel responded. Look with me at verses 18 and 19 again of our text in 20. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes and the lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid. They trembled. They stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Why would Israel respond in this way? If you look at the text, even nineteen or in twenty, you don't see any words of judgment or any words of of destruction spoken. In fact, God's word uh, says to them uh, when they first came to Sinai, quite the opposite. Hear the word of the Lord to Israel in Exodus nineteen verses two through six. They set out to they set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God, the Lord called out to him uh, or the Lord called him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, listen, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will decide indeed to obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So, God doesn't speak of death, God doesn't speak of destruction, He doesn't speak of judgment, He speaks of covenant. He says that they will be his treasured possession among all the peoples. A kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So why the fear? And again, lest we be too quick to judge Israel, I fear sometimes that we are too quick and too willing to pass judgment on them for failing to be consistent in their walk with God, giving all that they saw and all that they experienced. And it's easy for us to read about moments where their faith seemed to fail in the face of miracles and to say that we would have done things differently. But do we? Is the work that God does in your life and my life on a daily basis any less miraculous? Or is it that we count the word and work and presence of God in our life too cheaply? Is it possible that this is simply a a, a fleshly reaction, not flesh in terms of sin, but flesh in terms of natural, rather than accepting God's invitation to covenant relationship, that they ran in the opposite direction? Highly possible. It was a fearsome sight. I can't imagine seeing what they saw and not being scared. But is it also not possible that seeing themselves in the light of God's presence hearing God's law, that they properly weighed the moment? Is it not possible that their fear, their withdrawal, and their call to someone outside of themselves to step in for fear of death because they knew they were insufficient in and of themselves? Is it possible that that was a proper response? Paul says this in Romans 7, What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. For I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death for me. For sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. Romans 6.23 for the law of sin. The wages, excuse me, of sin is death. Israel was right to fear. No sin, no flesh can glory in his presence. They were right to fear. As they looked on and saw the presence of God and how it manifested on the mountain, they were right to see his otherness and their smallness. They were right in fearing death because of sin in the presence of a holy God. They were right in seeing their need for a mediator. So where did they get it wrong? They were wrong in shrinking back from God. God had not come to destroy them. How do you respond to the presence of God? Do we even recognize when we're in the presence of God? Without the spectacle, without the lightning and the thunder and the fire and smoke, without hearing the trumpet and seeing the immovable mountain move because the presence of God had descended upon it. What causes us reverent fear? Is there anything about God that causes us to feel how small we are, to know that he is not like us? Do we shrink back when God is calling us to himself? Does the weight of God's word fill our hearts with fear, opening our eyes to the realities of sin and pending judgment and drive us to look for someone who can stand before God on our behalf? People were afraid, scripture says, and trembled and they stood far off, said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. Do not let God speak to us lest we die. Very briefly on Moses as mediator. Verse 20 shows Moses acting in the role of mediator as he tries to encourage the people to not fear God for fear of death. Contrary to what Israel had spoken many times in their exodus, God did not bring them out of Egypt into the wilderness to die. God's heart for for Israel again expressed in chapter 19, his desire was to make them his treasured possession. A kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Moses' purpose was to bring Israel to God. God called him initially to go to Egypt, to speak to Pharaoh on his behalf, and to bring the people out of Egypt. But it was all for the moment described in chapter 19 as we see Moses bringing the people to meet God. Again, Exodus 19:16. on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. 17, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Moses shows his willingness to stand before God on Israel's behalf, but he also shows his limitations as a mediator. Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of you may be, uh, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Moses can be a herald for God. Moses can point the people to God. But for all his willingness, Moses still falls short as mediator because Moses cannot atone for Israel's sin as God. What man created in their breaking of God's law in the garden was a God-sized problem. The only way to remove the gap that, God, uh, that kept God and man separated, the only way God would be able to bring man to himself was for God to come and bring man to himself. Israel needed something more, someone more. Moses himself needed someone more. You and I need someone more. Matthew. Chapter 1, verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. For the law of the spirit of life has kept you, uh, rather has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Romans 8, 2 and 4. Since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we yet without sin. Let us then draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace help, to help in time of need. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, last, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. God in the person of Christ dealt with our uh, our, our fear because of uh, excuse me. God in the person of Christ dealt with our fear of death because of sin through coming in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemning sin in the flesh, and taking on Himself the punishment that brought us peace. God in the person of Christ dealt with our need to shrink back from God because of our own insufficiency through the sufficiency of His Christ. God in the person of Christ opened a door once and for all for as many who would believe to become sons and daughters of God with the promise of one day being eternally where he is. So how should you and I respond? Not in fear as Israel did, not shrinking back from God. Two things as we close. Confess and repent. We see our sin, we look to Christ. We turn from our mess and we turn to God's mediator. We stop shrinking back and we start running too. So if you're here or if you are listening and you are far from God, you know you are far from God. Possibly you've intentionally made yourself far from God. Out of fear, out of respect, you knew about God not to play with him. But you didn't know him to trust him. We offer Christ to you. The time to simply know about God has passed. Now is your time to actually know God. And maybe you're here today and you're listening and you're saying, well, I've I've done that. I'm not shrinking back. I've accepted Christ. I know God. But Have you accepted his call for you? Every part of the body has function. God doesn't simply save for salvation's sake. God saves to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. God through Christ has done his work. But our work is just beginning. Will you accept his call for you? Or will you shrink back? Let us pray. Great God and King.